You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. I was sick last week. You guys know I was not here, and I was trying to be here, but Pastor Rick shared on giving last week. Uh, I was incapacitated. I'll tell you this, though. I know God is real because I saw him last week. <laughs> I, I got close. I got close. And uh, this, this morning really is kind of a continuation of what Pastor Rick shared on video last week. He talked about giving. He talked about a heart for the house. And this isn't explicitly about giving today, but it is a little bit about we kind of been calling it a little bit like a state of the union address, where we are as a church and where we're going. And uh, if you're a guest here uh, first, thanks for coming. Good to have you. I'm Brandon. Hope you enjoy your service. Uh, second is that this isn't like a typical weekend message. Um, typically, we just open the word and we teach the word, but I, I, I want to uh, give you a little bit of the heart and the history of the church today here locally in Fort Smith, and also want to kind of point your attention to where I believe that God is leading us. And so um, that's what's going on today, and it won't be the most eloquent thing that you've ever heard, but I just pray that um, that it's a sincere, that you you hear our heart in what it is that we're doing. And so uh, once again, I just want to pray uh, for you and for me and for this word uh, today. God, thank you so much for every heart and every person here today. Lord, when we follow you, Jesus, we end up in a different place than we began. And I pray that that be true for us as a church, that as we follow you, that you move us uh, from one thing to the next and that we move forward uh, always seeking to do your will and uh, to please you, Lord. And so I pray that that's true today. Let your heart come through in all of this that we say. Uh, I thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right, do you remember your very first car, like the first car that you ever got that was like your car that you had the keys to? I don't care if it was like a nasty car, a dirty car, a rundown car, a busted up car. It was your car. And so that meant something different, right? Like I've ridden in a lot of cars, but my very first car was my car. And it had stains and it had dirt and it had grime all over it. But you know what? I went to the car wash anyway. And these were the days before the car wash took the cards. And I had to go find nickels and quarters and dimes. And I'd be poking them in that machine. And I'd vacuum out everything and I got and I'd be cleaning all the windows and I try to get all the seats nice and clean as best as I could and I tried my best my car leaked oil like there was no tomorrow you know like a like an ocean liner spill okay and I remember when we sold the car and my dad my dad was uh, in the driveway with me when they drove off in the car and the new person got in the car and they hit the gas and as soon as they did there was a cloud of black smoke that came out out and filled my driveway. And I said, Dad, is it supposed to do that? And he said, no, son, that's why we sold it. Okay, so <laughs> it was in a bad way. But I remember I was, I loved that car, everything about that car. I was excited and I wanted to take care of it. 
All of us at some point have got a new car, and it was like the baby, right, for us. Even us today, when we get a new car, we come up with all these rules. Ain't nobody going to eat nothing in my car. My car's going to stay pristine. It's going to stay clean all the days of its life. You got a bottle of water, you better keep the lid on that water because I don't want it in my car, right? Everything's going to be perfect in my car. And then somewhere down the road between getting it and six months to a year later, what happened? There's goldfish crackers in every possible nook and cranny. You got uh, fossilized McDonald's french fries down there in that crack between the driver's seat and, you know, like the abyss down there. You got that kind of, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Because after a while, you get familiar with things. You Life happens. You move on. The newness wears off. And you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. Who cares? We can eat a Golden Corral buffet in my car for all I care. You know, like, that's how, that's what happens in life. And the same kind of thing can happen in church. The same kind of thing can happen uh, when you first come to a church and you're like, wow, everybody's really friendly at this place. And these chairs are comfortable and they got all kinds of lights and the kids' stuff looks nice and everybody seems happy over there. This is a great church to be a part of. I'm happy to be at this church, right? And then uh, like a year, year and a half later, you're coming to this church and you're like, ah, I'm so sick of this coffee at this church. I'm so tired of having to find a parking spot at this church. It's cold in here. I don't like to be in there. There's nobody to check my kid in today. We got to find a new church. You know what I mean? Like all the little things after a while, they start adding up, adding up, and everything becomes very familiar, and you start to be a little bit like, what's going on? This, what, this happens all the time. I get it. Churches... Just like people, churches go through life cycles, okay? When we started this church, it's brand new. Everybody was excited. I was excited. I was here from the get-go, y'all. I was, actually, I was here before the get-go. Uh, Marcus Brown, his family, my family lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, okay? And... I'm going to be Papa Brandon here, right? I'm going to tell you about the olden days, right? I got to be careful not to go too long. Last term, I became Papa Brandon, and I got lost in the old stories, and I need to apologize to the last service. We went super long. So I'm going to try not to do that today. I'm going to say less, and I'm going to say it faster. Okay, that was just a note to myself. All right, anyway, uh, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we were thinking, are we going to moved to Fort Smith and planted church in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and we decided that we were going to do it. So we loaded up our family. Fox, my boy, he was only a couple of weeks old when we loaded up the U-Haul and we moved over here to start this church. The only reason that we moved to Fort Smith, Arkansas is to start New Life Church. That's it. I didn't know this city from anything else in the whole world, right? All I knew is we're moving to a place. We're starting a church. It's going to be good. So we started down in the convention center, downtown, Fort Smith Convention. Convention Center. And how many people are here that went to the convention center? The only ones left. Look at that. Look at that. There ain't much left. I'll tell you why. Because it was terrible. It was not good. I worked for the church and I didn't even want to go to the church, right? I was like, I moved all the way over here. I don't even like this church. I wouldn't go if I hadn't committed to being here, right? And so we started with a lot of people initially, and then it went down and down and down because we were not doing a good job. It was not a good church. And we ended up uh, meeting in some guy's living room. And then 
Uh, we moved from the living room to another church south of Fort Smith. They let us use their building when no one else was there. And then we moved from that church to, you guys know the, the Woodlands Church here on uh, Rogers next to Ashley Furniture? On Saturday nights, they were like, you guys can use our place on Saturday nights. I was like, okay, great. So we went and we had people driving in from Conway to play worship. And I was up there singing and there were all 15 of us in the room, you know. And that was New Life Church, Fort Smith. And it was, uh, it was a, a long time, but we finally, we got into the facility over here, which is now our children's ministry area. And little by little, as we started to figure out how to even do a church, um, people started to come and people... From, from that time, had a certain scrappiness about them. And that's what happens when you start in a church that was like 10 people, and you come and you know that every day is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Like, if this church is going to work, then we have to live this out we have to tell people about Jesus. We have to see God move. We have to see people's lives get changed. God, please, God, please, God, please. And we would pray and we would go out and we would teach the gospel and we would do everything that we knew that we had to do every single day because we knew if we didn't, we might not exist at all. And there were times in the very beginning where it was this close. And for a lot of people, that plant churches and start churches, one of the hardest things to do in the whole world, it is this close between existing and not existing. I mean, razor thin. And so in the beginning, those people that called New Life Church home in the very early days, they lived with this understanding of we have to be about our father's business. We have to be out teaching. We have to be out loving. We have to be out telling people and sharing the gospel. And they had this scrappiness about them. I'm sure in a lot of ways, the early days of New Life Church, Fort Smith, were very unhealthy. So I don't want to over-glorify the olden days, okay? I'm just saying that there are some things that they had, that we had, that we're good. But we know that sometimes churches can lose something as time goes on. In Revelation 2, to the church of Ephesus, this is what's written. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Remember this, that you have left your first love. They had lost something that they used to have. What happens, especially when you are a church like us that's been here now for 12 years, and you go through projects like getting into that facility. And when we were over there, we dreamt of this place that you are sitting in right now. And a lot of people sacrificed and gave and we prayed and we, uh, 
we worshiped and we met and we believed that God would do it. And we're sitting here in the middle of this facility that was just an absolute dream come true for all of us that had been there from the early days. But the problem is when you build a place like this, in a lot of people's hearts and minds, it can feel like we crossed the finish line. We did it. We've got air conditioner. Look, we didn't have a parking lot. Like, when I say we didn't have a parking lot, I meant all this was mud, okay? It was a building in a mud lot. And every time it rained, we had to call tow trucks because a river would come. And, I mean, literally, a river runs through it. That was our parking lot. They filmed the movie out there, okay? We lose people down in the stream every time. We'd have to call tow trucks because they'd have to pull people out. So this, having a paved parking lot, having a facility to come in, and all the things and all the stuff is a dream come true. And a lot of times when churches get here, they say, we did it. It's done. It's finished. Well, let me tell you this. Did you know Jesus said in Luke 2 that, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Like Jesus lived with this in mind. What is the father? What would he have me do? I must do it, Right? And for us in our church, if we follow Jesus, if Jesus is our leader, if Jesus is our Lord, if he's our Savior and we're following him, then we too must be about our Father's business. We don't get to a point where we cross the finish line and say, ah, okay, I just get to enjoy this forever and ever. The church was not created so that we could sit back and watch the world decay from a cozy seat. It's not created so we could stand in our nice foyer and say, can you believe how bad things have gotten out there in the world? Oh my goodness, it's real bad, right? That's not why the church exists at all. A believer, you and me, that isn't about a father's business. A church that's not about the father's business is a church that is in decline. We have to be about it. We can't just talk about it. We can't just think about it. We have to be about it. And not just as a church, but as individuals, as you. Because I'm going to talk a lot about our church. And when I'm talking about our church, I want you to think me. Like, there is we, and all this also applies to me. I, I need to be about the business of God. What is it? Because Jesus is still about it. Did you know that Jesus cares as much about you, as much about the lost, as much about his church right now as he did when he walked the earth? He has not changed at all, not one bit and so if we are following Jesus, how much should we be about the Father's business? So today, once more, I want to point to Jesus. who The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he is the author and the finisher, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And what I want to do today, I want to take all of our attention, the we, the New Life Church of Fort Smith, where you are and who you are, and I want to gather that attention, and I want to point it to Jesus, who I believe began the work 
and he will see it through to completion. As long as our eyes stay fixed on him, he will do it. I want you to remember this, that this church is not my church. It's not Pastor Rick's church or anybody's church around here. This church is Jesus' church, belongs to Christ. And it's both very simple and very complex. Like the church is the body of Christ given to us, but you can say, I, I can quickly describe the church, or I could break the church down and look at it from a hundred different perspectives. This, these are all the things that the church does. In fact, we did a series earlier this year called The Early Church, where we took a look at the church and how it functioned in the beginning. We looked at Acts 2.42, how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we looked through all the things that the church did in the very beginning of the book of Acts. And we say, we want to make sure that we're not drifting from the purposes of the church, right? And today, I will give you just a few of these things. This list is not complete, Okay, because there's a lot of ways to talk about the church, but it is what I want to draw your attention to today. There are some things that we must be devoted to, like they were devoted to in the book of Acts. Some of these are review, some of these aren't. I'm going to give you the first one, and this is a little bit review, all right? Number one, the church is a family. It's a family. And I'll be honest with you, I think of all the things that we do, this one is probably the one that we're strongest in right now, as strong as we've been in a long time, because over the last year or two, we've really leaned more into the family side of church because I think people have needed it more in the last year or two than they ever have. And before, we had lost some of this, just to be honest with you. When we look at our church, we saw it as this is just a bunch of services happening now. And that's not what this whole thing is. This church needs to be a family. So we've made some pivots and some changes because we believe the church is a family. In Ephesians 2, it says that you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. It is a family because people need a place. Listen, you remember when you were a kid and you heard something outside just a rattling tattling on your window at night and you got scared in your bed and I, this is happening in my house it's happening in my house recently uh where they hear something happening outside and the, the leaves are crunching and something's tapping on the window and you know what they do they run where do they run to my bedroom, all right? Mama, Daddy, there's someone outside my window. And I say, it's just the wind, because I don't want to get up out of my bed, you know? <laughs> it's just the wind. It could be anything, but it's just the wind. No, it's not the wind. It's not the wind. It's a serial killer. I know it is. I know it is. And so what's going to happen? They come to, they come to tell us why, because they know we're not going to let anything happen to them. It's a safe place for them. It's a place that they can run to. This church over the past two years, has really leaned into the fact that we are a family because we know people need a place to run to more than ever. When we look at the world and they give you more reasons to be afraid every day that you turn on the news, they give you more things that you need to be worried about. People need a place to run to and they can run to this family. 
I'll also tell you that our family here is growing, which I'm thankful for. And it's all because of God bringing people into the church. And he's using me and you and every other part of what he's brought here to bring other people in to experience the hope of Jesus. When we came back after COVID, on Father's Day, we reopened. We had two services on Father's Day of 2020. And we could have only used a minivan and we would have been just fine for seats, okay, on Father's Day 2020. I promise you that. I could have sat in the front seat with a tambourine and we would have crammed everyone into that one car, all right? It was a ghost town. There was nobody here. But thankfully, uh, over the last year, we've seen uh, God just bring people in, people that were coming pre-COVID, lots of people that started coming uh, just over the last 18 months And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the growth, um, certainly. But as I said earlier this year, growth in itself is not our end goal, okay? Remember, I told you I could give away a truck. I could give away uh, Chris Fouts shoes, and we could draw a crowd, right, and have a lot of people that would come in uh, to the church to try to win that kind of thing. Growth in itself is not the goal. The goal is church health. And that we would be a place full of healthy believers that follow Jesus, that know the word, that love God and love other people. Like we want this place to be healthy. I want my family to be healthy. And I want that for you you too. And so there are some things that we've done over the last year to start to help people in our family get healthy. I'll tell you, just so you know what it is that we're doing. Sunday mornings, we do two English services here. We do a Spanish service here. We do a service down at Hope Campus, our Riverview Hope Campus that houses uh, many homeless people. We do that every weekend. Uh, We have services here from Little Life to uh, 412 to Kid Life, all happening uh, every single Sunday morning right here over there. A lot of your kids are there now. You need to know this, that we honestly believe so wholeheartedly in the future and the next generation that that is over the next year we're doing a lot of investment into that area into that world because we believe so passionately that we have uh, young men and women that are in our church right now that will be the leaders of this church in 10 or 15 years the people in kid life Uh, today will be running this place in the future. That may scare you. It scares me a little bit because I know my kids are over there, all right? But we believe it. Actually, the only big capital thing that we've done this year where we spend money, like a good bit of money, has been on refreshing our uh, children's side. So stick your head around Kid Life. Don't go in there. They'll tase you. But stick your head around there, right? And you can see some of the improvements that we've made to the facility and we're going to continue to make to the facility because we believe that it is an investment into the future of this church. We value them from little life, uh, kid life, 412 real life. We hired a student pastor and brought him in from Florida. We brought a Florida man in, okay, to do real life around here because we believe so, so wholeheartedly that we have to invest in them today. 
Okay, uh, we have life groups that happen every week. We have connect class that happens. We've spent over, we put over a hundred people through connect class this year. Can you believe that? A hundred people decided to go to extra church on the weekend. Right? That's a tough sell. I promise you that. Uh, we've had this one should be celebrated. Thirty-one baptisms this year between this and Hope Campus. Let's give God praise for that. We've uh, introduced First Wednesdays this fall. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have been to First Wednesdays. It's becoming one of my favorite things that we do. We eat together. We pray together. We worship together. It's just good family time, all right? Core classes, which are classes where we teach people how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to evangelize, how to worship. We've introduced those this year, uh, and we've had lots of people go through these because we want you to be healthy, we have the school of ministry that is loaded with people who are going through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, uh, just doing incredible things. Personal discipleship. We've really leaned into prayer this year. These are the things that we want to do for our family because we want to see you grow and be healthy. Amen. I pray that every person that calls this church home, we're like, this is your family. Listen, you would really embrace the idea that you are a follower of Jesus and a daily disciple of him and that you would say to yourself, I need to be healthy. If you, some of you haven't jumped in on the family side, like this is just like an event for you on your calendar. I come to church on Sundays and listen, you can come to church here forever. I'm happy that you're here. We're not saying that you shouldn't be. I love it that you're here. But if you're only coming on Sundays, that's like all you're doing, then you're getting like 1% of what the church is, okay? The church is so much more than me speaking on a microphone. If this was the church, God help us all, right? We'd be in trouble, right? We, there's so much more going on, uh, and I just encourage you to jump in. Number two, the church is a lighthouse, Listen, in a dark world with the darkness ever growing, we have to be the brightest light in this city, in this region, in this area. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We believe honestly the Bible, when we preach the Bible, it is a light in the darkness. So we read the Bible, we believe the Bible, we preach and teach the Bible, and we try to do this with accuracy, with humility, with sincerity every single week and believing that it lights up a dark and broken world. Something else that we do as a light in this area is we fund other lighthouses. New Life Church across the board, across the state of Arkansas this last year, we have given $4.5 million towards missions and towards planting churches. Like, that's a lot of money. Why do we invest that money? Because we invest in lighthouses, places that shine light in the darkest areas. That's why we here locally love to go to Peru and go into the jungles of Peru where there's witchcraft, where there's all sorts of evil demonic presence. And we go and we take the gospel to those areas. We shine a light in the darkness. We also shine a light through the darkness of people that feel hopeless. 
There are a lot of people that feel hopeless all across this very city, especially right now, especially during this season. If they can't pay the bills, if they don't know where they're going to get their meals, and if they can't buy their kids anything for Christmas, do you know how that makes a parent feel? It makes them feel like they have no worth, like they have no hope. And we try to come into these situations and bring something to lift their life and show them the love of God and light that moment up for them with the gospel, with goodness and with love just because Jesus loves us and we love others. That's why this Thanksgiving we delivered 1,300 meals for Thanksgiving from you guys. 1,300 meals were had because of you guys. That's why we're doing an angel tree. Y'all see the angel tree out there? I pray that every angel off that tree is picked off and that thing is bare to the bone, nothing but ugly tree out there left, okay? That's what I'm praying because I want to go and to be a light into the darkness to take hopeless situations and say, hey, here's some hope. And not just that, but Jesus loves you. God loves you. Oh, you need a church? Come sit with me. I will be here for you. We can pray together. You can join our family. We're going to be a light in the darkness and love people selflessly with it. The third one, number three, is this. The church is a force. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? How many people have been to the Grand Canyon? A lot of you. Good. It's good. You should go. I, I went. There was a, there's a guy in my life that uh, I'll have to tell you all about sometime. I just know him as Soldier John. I lived with him. I don't even remember his last name right now, but Soldier John is what I always called him. And he talked like this. And so uh, one night, honestly, Soldier John called me up and he said, hey, you want to go to the Grand Canyon? And it was like seven hours away. And I was like, well, Soldier John, I got a job interview tomorrow at two o'clock. And he's like, yeah, let's go to the Grand Canyon. I was like, okay. <laughs> so we did. We drove to the Grand Canyon. I slept in my car when we got there. And when the sun rose, I went out and I stared into the Grand Canyon. And it just, I've, I've been back since. It is so incredible. I know it's just a big hole in the ground, but there's something about it that is just, my mind can't even wrap itself around how huge it is. And when you read about the Grand Canyon, how it was uh, created, it was the Colorado River flows, right? And it just flows over the rocks. And year after year, it wears them down a little bit, a little bit. And this little Colorado River carves this giant canyon in the ground because it just stays there. It's just consistent. It perseveres. But over time, it makes a huge difference. And the church, let me tell you, the church is a force in this world against the forces of darkness. It's a force in this world that carries hope with it wherever it goes. It carries the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when a church is in a city for a long time and it's consistent and it perseveres in teaching the word and making disciples over the years, it has a huge impact. 
And my prayer for us is that we would be just that. We would do what God has called us to do. We would do it consistently. We would be faithful in it. And we would continue in it over a long time until Jesus comes. And then when we look back, when we're done at the end of our race and look back on what God has done through this congregation, we say it wasn't like it didn't have to be the biggest thing around. It didn't have to be a 10,000 member church. We didn't have to put on a crusade every week. But what we did do is we did God's work faithfully for a long time, and it made a big difference. We have a mission. And if you're taking notes, the only thing that I care if you write today is this. We are on a gospel mission. We are on it because Jesus put us on it. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. When he says this, listen, to our church, yes, we go into the world. But listen, this is something that you as a believer and a disciple, and a Christ follower. This is something that you need to carry with you. When Jesus says this, he's not talking to the pastor and saying, Pastor, you figure out how to go do it. He's talking to the church, which is you and me and all of us here going into the world proclaiming the gospel. That means that at some point in your life, at some point, you are going to have to open your mouth and proclaim the name of Jesus. Maybe it's in an invitation to come to church with you. Maybe it is one-on-one -on -one when God opens a door and you can share how God changed and transformed your life. But at some point, you're going to have to take that step because we are on a gospel mission. The River Valley, Fort Smith and the Alma, Van Buren, the metro area is 250,000 people and it's going to only grow from here. We're a growing city right now. We're, we're having great economic things are happening in the city. It's going to bring more and more people in. What does that mean? One, it means we're getting better restaurants. I saw Panda Express is being built. Every time I drive by it, I pray for it because I thank God for it and I need him to sustain it. Amen. Y'all go eat at Panda. I love it. I don't care if you don't like it. They need the business. Number two, what does it mean? It means that there are going to be a lot of people in this city that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you hear me say that, I don't want you to think the responsibility for that is on my shoulders. Because if it's all on my shoulders, we're not going to have a big impact. You hear me? If it's all on Brandon Cotton, we should just go ahead and shut it down. Because it ain't going to, it's on you. It is on me. It's on my wife. It's on Nick. It's on every person in here. The people that are next door, kid life, little life, 412, real life, every person in between. These people don't, these ministries don't have a different heart for this than we have. It's the same heart. We go into the world and we tell people about Jesus and we bring them to him and let them see Jesus exalted. And in that, we will see lives transformed, people changed. Jesus said, when you follow me, I will make you fishers of men.
And I think this is... We have to resist the temptation to choose comfort over mission. And naturally, we're all going to want to gravitate towards what is the easiest thing, what's the most comfortable thing. Like everybody builds their life so they get to a point of ultimate comfort. But there are going to be times in your life where it's not going to be comfortable, but it is going to be missional. And you need to choose to be on mission over being comfortable. A Christian living their whole lives inside their comfort zone is an idea that's foreign to the New Testament. And we have this nice building and we have all these nice things and it's good and I love it and I wouldn't trade it. I don't want to go back to the old way, but I also don't want to just stay here in my comfort. I want to live uncomfortably. I want to live on a gospel mission. The last thing I'm going to tell you is this today. I, I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, but it's just in my heart. I want you to hear it. Ever since I became the pastor here, this is something that is burned in me. I'm only here for a season. And I don't know how long that season is. I've been here 12 years. I may be here 50 more years. And whatever I'm here, that, that's my season. That's it. That's what God has given me to work this ground. Okay? to work the soil and the ground of Fort Smith and the River Valley. And he's giving you the same. He's giving you a season. And you may get another job in Fayetteville and you may move next week, okay? But the time between now and then, that's your season in this house. What are you going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? We don't have to have one other person than what we have in our church right now to do the will of God in this season. And as more people come in, the vision will expand. Ministry will expand. We'll be able to do more things. As God, God brings you into this place. The Bible says that he's building his church out of us like living stones. He's putting us in our places. God has brought you into this house for a reason for this time on purpose. And I don't know what it is for all of you. But God does, and you're not here by mistake. So why are you here? Why are we here? It's not to be comfortable, but it's to do, to be about our Father's business. Amen? So when that clock strikes 12 and the calendar flips over to 2022, I want you to know this. In my heart, it's like the beginning of a race. The gun goes off and we start and we go and we do everything we can every time we can to reach as many people we can with the hope of Jesus. And for those people that are here, we're doing all we can to help them grow and be disciples and believers and Christ followers. That's our heart. More people to hear the gospel and those people that are here to see them grow in their faith and become fully devoted followers of Jesus, to see lives changed and transformed.